Welcome to Future Forward Sales. I'm Lynn Whitbeck, founder and CEO of futureforwardsales.com and Petite to Queen. Our superpower is empowering business owners to transform their sales and grow their business. We work with business owners who reject complacency and focus on innovative thinking to thrive. At the end of the show, in about 20 minutes, I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing sales podcasts. Let's go. Today, I have the pleasure of having Travis Steffen with us today of GrowFlow. How are you, Travis? Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. So please, short and sweet, we'll get right to the point. Tell us about GrowFlow and what it is that you and your company does. GrowFlow is an all-in-one compliance, inventory management, point of sale, analytics, and sales tools company for the cannabis industry. So okay. we help industry operators uh, manage and grow their businesses. Okay. And so why that industry specifically? What's the story behind that? Yeah, great question. So I actually came on board as CEO of the company back in February of 2019. Uh, the, the two founders went through an accelerator program that I was a mentor at. Mm-hmm. And I just began advising them on a weekly basis. It was their first tech company. They were doing great. But then they origin- they eventually realized that they were not necessarily the right people to be in the leadership seat. And they wanted to keep just building products for, okay. the, for the industry. So they're both still on the team. They're both super happy. And um, I was able to uh, install a CEO in my, and uh, the other company I'd started recently and, and jump into this seat. And, um, you know, since then we're, we're up to about 85 full time, um, about uh, 10 million in, um, private equity capital. And, um, you know, we, uh, are one of the largest software operators in the industry with uh, over 1300 clients nationwide. Wow. Amazing. And so I'm curious as well, you said you're kind of helping, the two people were at first, and then now you jumped into the CEO seat. What was that discussion like? Obviously, it wasn't just like a normal employee or maybe, you know, someone underneath. You operate the whole thing. How did that come about? You know, it's a very rare case, to be mm-hmm. honest, that you see a founder who is able to identify not just what they're not strong at, but mm-hmm. they don't actively want to do. And um, Rufus Casey, the original CEO and, and the company's founder, He's just a very self-aware individual. He mm-hmm. understood exactly what he was great at and what what he okay. wasn't. Um, and he didn't love managing people. He didn't love organizational development, hiring company culture. He really loved building products for the industry. And, okay. and he wanted to continue to do that, but realized that that was not the reality of the company that's uh, at the stage that it was at, at the time. Right. So um, he, he really recruited me hard and I had just raised money for another company I was building at the time. So... It took several months of him grinding me down, but eventually I decided to jump in. All right. And now here we are together talking about it. So perfect. And so I'm curious as well, if you could just continue to speak on that as far as the importance, like you said, of a leader basically being able to recognize like, okay, I'm good at this, but maybe I need to outsource or bring someone else in who's also good at these other things in order to be you know, beneficial mm-hmm. and have a really successful company. What is the importance of that? You know, it's interesting because the duties of a CEO or the duties of a founder and CEO are dramatically different and stage specific early on. You're doing everything mm-hmm. uh, and, and your early founding team are wearing several hats themselves. Right. 
over the course of time, it's a delicate balance because inevitably you find the need to bring on other people who uh, are deeper specialists and that, that need grows uh, over the course of time and over the course of you know, having to service many, many more customers and, mm. and do bigger things. And um, that can be a, a tricky thing for the human psyche to, right. to swallow because mm-hmm. a lot of times when you take responsibility away from people their core assumption is they've done something wrong, not that they've done exactly the right things. And you've now grown the company to a point where they can actually do less and to do it better. So that actually comes down to company culture and core values for us. One of our core values of, you know, at our company is do less better. Okay. And so that's always kind of something that we're trying to push for to, to just be able to go deeper mm-hmm. uh, on an individualized basis and, and own things and, um, you know, as soon as things just the breadth of, of them become a little bit too big for us to be world class at something, mm-hmm. you know, our team's job to raise their hand and, and voice it so we can get uh, another deeper specialist in. Okay. And so now like flipping it back to the function of your company, how do you continue to create fresh opportunities to best serve your customers? It's really interesting because it's a nascent industry still. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I've, I've worked in a couple highly regulated industries in the past you know, anywhere from from finance to gambling uh, to now cannabis, and mm-hmm. um, amongst all of those industries, the parallel is you know they're just plain and simple. There are easier ways to make than to right. to play in those spaces. But if you have a uh, deeper understanding of how to navigate highly regulated waters, mm-hmm. and also be a, a pretty significant barrier to entry. So when when I came in, the opportunity was so significant because the operators that were in the industry, you know, they were just industry veterans. They had come from, you know, the early days, the gray area, black yeah. market kind of days. And for that reason, the competition was a lot softer mm. um, in comparison to a more established market that's rich in Silicon Valley venture back companies with, you know, Ivy league people who are very, very intelligent, getting good advice. Mm -hmm. So the value creation curve for us, you know, we've taken, there are several ways to do it, but we've taken a really, really customer centric path where we'll do, you know, a framework based customer developments and customer Mm -hmm. discovery interviews. You know, we have an internal process at our company where we actually have um, our employees, many of whom have never worked in the industry before, actually mimic the experience of the customer during their training. Okay. Uh, so they themselves, having come from other industries and see how other industries have solved similar problems, mm-hmm. are able to spot things that the operators themselves, the customers who are so profoundly busy, especially during the pandemic when everyone's way more cannabis than they normally would, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, just to save off the world-ending anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, those customers don't always know a better way off Mm -hmm. the tops of their heads. So it's important for us to find ways to discover what value to create by taking like a multifaceted approach and then having really great product managers in those seats that have like diverse experiences and, and can consume and translate that information into product pitches that can, can help us deliver value to customers in unique ways. Okay. So obviously there is kind of, like you said, because it has the highly regulated waters, there is a sort of education that needs to be had, but it also sounds like, you know, there's the emphasis like you said with customers that when you learn from them, you're able to kind of, rather than a textbook, like you said, and kind of like the Silicon Valley and everything, it sounds like that's kind of the educational portion is from customers. 
Yeah, it's it's actually fun to be in an industry like this because a lot of the fundamentals just mm-hmm. haven't been used that frequently. Okay. I mean, it's starting to happen here and there, but it hasn't been used that frequently by a lot of competitors. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can follow a very basic playbook and find success for that reason because, you know, we we know that we ha- also have to stomach and resource a pretty high threshold of, of maintenance on, you know, compliance activities and, mm-hmm. and because every single state is so dramatically different in, um, what their legislation looks like, what their compliance mm-hmm. activities look like, what licensees can and can't do. And there are different state like B2G systems that we have to integrate with that aren't the same and don't act the same across state lines. So that's a very expensive, mm-hmm. frustrating, clunky process. So for somebody that's bootstrapping, for example, it becomes incredibly difficult, if not near impossible, for them to expand across mm. any given state. So a lot of times the competitive landscape will look like there are a lot of hyper-local operators that right. offer competitors that compete on price. Um, mm. You very infrequently see multi-state software companies in this industry right. do the things that we do. Okay. And so then that kind of goes into it. So then what makes up your kind of secret sauce of your company? Like you said, definitely being in this industry, it's different, but anything else that kind of sets you apart from the rest of the industry? Definitely. So, um, I mean, I could like, first and foremost, every CEO or every founder that comes on any show is always going to say that their product is the greatest thing in history. Right, of course. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm all skip that part. Just let's pretend <laughs> I said it. Um, when I came in, honestly, I, I talked to all of our um, employees. I talked to a lot of our customers at the mm-hmm. time and just asked them what brought you here, what keeps you here, what experience mm-hmm. you have okay. here that would, you know, ensure that you never leave. And by far the most patternistic answer across every one of them, regardless of, of how large the customer was, was customer service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a confusing, I mean, if you think about the customer, you know, you get either business people that come in, that recognize it's a hot industry, are very business savvy, but know very little about the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one type of customer. And those okay. balloon up to being like the enterprise operators and so forth. Okay. You have another type of customer who just loves to grow weed or okay. just sell it. So they know so much about the plant and the mm-hmm. benefits and everything, but they know very little about business. Business side, now, okay. Now the interesting part about both of those is very few, if any of them are lawyers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in order to stay legal, there are very strict, very confusing, um, rapidly shifting legal and compliance hurdles Mm -hmm. that they have to overcome at all times. And they lean on the support staff of their compliance tool a lot of times to Mm -hmm. fill a stopgap so they don't have to pay a lawyer for their entire day every single day because that's really expensive. Right. Um, so for us, what we've effectively done is we've hired former operators mm-hmm. who know the customer, what they do, what hurdles they go over. We've then armed them with internal training to ensure that they know the compliance guidelines backwards and forwards, mm-hmm. know our product backwards and forwards, and they can both empathize and um, know the jargon and the experience of what the customers are going to say. Mm-hmm. And then we just overhired uh, in those departments to the point where we have a response time of less than a minute. Okay. Uh, you know, people can get somebody like a real person. Uh, they can get in touch with them very, very quickly, regardless of 
you know, what it is they, they need and they can start to get answers. So we've optimized for, because a lot of companies will take an approach where they want to reduce the number of support requests by, mm-hmm. you know, building a bunch of help documents and having a chat bot and that goes blah, nowhere blah, blah, blah. and frustrates right. customers. Yeah. I'm, I'm the customer that gets frustrated with those kind of yes. systems. <laughs> yes. And, and so that was when we did a little kind of blue ocean mm-hmm. uh, analysis. Um, we found that that was the majority of the other competitors in the industry. They were really mm-hmm. not support heavy. And so our intent from the very beginning, when I came on is we wanted to be the Zappos of cannabis. Okay. Um, so we wanted to make sure that that was first and foremost, like at the forefront of our offering and mm-hmm. it was billed as such. So, um, you know, our customers, yes, they get to use our product and our product is, um, a pretty robust product. It's appropriate mm-hmm. for, uh, larger and enterprise customers, but we do have a lot of single location mom and pop shops as well. Okay. But most of them, regardless of the stage, just are confused at all times about what they can and can't do. Right, the legalities. Mm-hmm. So they lean on us for that, and and you know we kind of encourage them to treat us like trusted partners in in their growth. Absolutely, I'm sure you're offering your customers a lot, a lot of relief because, like you said, one move and something you don't even know is the wrong move because you just don't have the knowledge or experience. And so, I'm sure that's just helping them a ton just to feel like, okay, we can handle other things, but at least we have these people to make sure that we're not doing anything illegal and are going to get ourselves in a bind. Absolutely, because I mean, the the consequences are pretty dramatic. You know, if you step out of line, you could get fined. You could mm-hmm. get your life and your business is shut down. Right. So they know it's. I mean, we're a painkiller, not a vitamin. For sure. Okay. (laughs) I like that analogy. I really like that. And so where do you see the future of Growflow? What is your vision for the next few years moving forward? Yeah. So we're in, I want to say nine states right now. Our mandate for 2021 is we want to be in every single legal market, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, before we start to expand internationally. Uh, We're also looking to, you know, make some targeted acquisitions. We've, we've done that a little bit in the past. Um, but our goal, unlike you know the companies that I had started previously, you know I was a, a serial entrepreneur and had sold seven other companies that I had started. Those were all very specific. Like I was starting them from scratch, building them up mm-hmm. to the point where they could be gobbled up. Okay. And Growflow is actually on the other side of the table now, uh, where it's it's larger, it's well capitalized. We have really really strong capital partners that are on board with the nationwide land grab. Okay. So our intention is to. Um, you know, grow as quickly as we can in 2021, uh, you know, allow customers in all the legal markets to have the benefit of being able to use a tool like Growflow um, and, you know, to acquire any uh, quasi competitors or, you know, any co-opetition, so to speak, that um, are smaller or are, you know, our same size and are open to some sort of a liquidity event, um, you know, because we're, we're just about the land grab now. Okay, perfect. I'm excited for that vision. And so for any of our listeners who want more information about Growflow or just to connect with you, where are the best platforms to get more information for that? Growflow.com is the the quickest and easiest place. You hit up the chat bubble, you'll get a response perfect. from the support team in less than a minute. So whatever questions you might have about uh, about the company or about you know about me or anything like that, feel free to to go over there. I'm not a big social media guy, to be honest. I know a lot of people will give their, their social handle. I spend a lot of time on that. And, you know, my social handles exist. It's just my name at Travis Stefan, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm never there. No one looks at it on our end, Got it. checks it. So, um, feel free to follow me if you want absolutely no value. <laughs> 
Perfect. Well, Travis, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of that. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Future Forward Sales. If you are a business owner who rejects complacency and is driven to increase their sales and grow their business and would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit futureforwardsales.com forward slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor? Share this episode on social media. Then go ahead and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up, a rating, or a review. My name is Lynn Whitbeck, and I thank you again for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening.